Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set All right, you guys picked a humdinger of a Sunday to come here today because we're going to take a break from First Kings right now to go into something that's kind of foreign to, uh, to us Gentiles. Today is this evening when the sun drops, this is going to be the first day of the Feast of Dedication. I was telling somebody that today. I said, hey, did you know that today is the first day of the Feast of Dedication? Oh, really? I didn't know that. I said, yeah, Jesus himself attended the Feast of Dedication in the wintertime in Jerusalem. Oh, wow. And then I said, and it's also called Hanukkah. And they go, oh, that's that Jewish thing. All of a sudden, they just flipped. They just went boink like that. But this is, uh, how many of you like a challenge? How many of you like a real challenge? Don't give it to me easy, Ray. I like a challenge. You picked a challenge of a message to come to today, okay? Y'all know that here we keep Israel and the Jewish people out front. That's why we blow the shofar to, to remind you that our Messiah Jesus is a Jew. And you have to love the Jewish people to love Messiah Jesus. I know people that are Christian and they don't like the Jews. It doesn't add up. It just doesn't add up. You have to love them. But this evening begins Hanukkah, and which Hanukkah actually means dedication. And so today is a time of dedication. Let me give you kind of a picture about dedication. I am dedicated to my wife. I'm very dedicated to her. I cannot tell her that it's my tradition to spend time with other women. And she's going to smack me in the face, and you will see it next Sunday when I come in. It, I can't tell her, but my tradition says I get to also do this too. Can't do that. I'm dedicated to her. So if I claim to belong to her, I must dedicate to her. And today I'm going to show us all how easily bad traditions can slip into our lives and make us think that it's okay to halfway dedicate to God when the Lord wants all of us. He wants all of you. Like I said, I cannot say, I'm dedicated to you, honey, but tonight, man, there's this woman I just saw at the grocery store. I'm going to go hang out with her, and I'll be gone for about two or three days, and I'll see you back. No, sir. Same thing with her. She belongs to me. We're dedicated to each other. She wants all of me as I expect all of her. Now, I do have a hard time speaking to Jewish people about Jewish things because I'm not Jewish. I don't understand it the way they do. I don't speak Hebrew, but I do know how to speak Gentile. And I'm going to speak Gentile to you, okay? That I can do. So I'm going to do that today. And I'm telling you, Gentiles are not paying attention to Hanukkah. Gentiles are not paying attention to the feast, the time of dedication. 
and it is actually biblical. Now, I also know that this subject of Hanukkah is a very foreign subject to us Gentiles. It's hard for us to hear, and the reason it's foreign to us, the reason we're not very familiar with it, is because most of the Gentile church is talking about a different tradition right now called Christmas. I told you this was going to be a challenge. Hear me out before you blow a gasket, please, okay? This is not a Christmas bashing message here, but hear me. So as a disclaimer, I'm not here to bash Christmas. Today, I just ask you to listen. Let me present the facts before you draw any conclusions, because some of what you hear today is going to rub, maybe frictional, against a lot of your Gentile traditional thinking. Like I said, I can't tell my wife. I dedicate to you, but my tradition says I get to go play with other things, okay? You, you get you, That you got, but the spiritual side of it, I'm trying to make a parallel so that we can accept this and draw it in. Let me show you. This, again, this is tough, but we're going to weigh it out against God's Word, and I'll let you deal with it, okay? So, challenge accepted, I hope. Challenge accepted. Ready? Back in 200 B.C., y'all know Alexander the Great. He went around the world pushing Hellenism, which was Greek gods and goddesses. He's trying to get everybody to worship like this. Alexander passed away. He died. And a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes, he took power. His part was over Israel. And he pushed Greek god Hellenism on the Jews also. Now, this guy attacked Jerusalem, and he violated the temple of the Lord. Very important we remember that. We can violate the temple of the Lord because we are the temple. We don't want to do that. He violated the temple of the Lord. He banned Jewish practices. He also forbid the Sabbaths and the feasts. He installed a Hellenized Jew, a Jew that believed in all these Greek gods and Zeus and Hercules and who and whatever all. He installed this Jew as the high priest in the temple to establish a worship of Zeus in the temple of God. That's bad. But... Some Jews were led by a man named Judas Maccabeus. These guys rose up to take the temple back. They said, we're not having it, we're taking it back. Maccabeus means hammer. That's, I like that name, hammer. That sounds tough. So I'm going to hammer this message. No, just kidding. Hammer. It means the hammer. So you could say the Maccabees, they put the hammer down on Antiochus guys to run them off and they reclaimed the temple and restored it back to God. Now you can read all about this in the book of the Maccabees. Now I know what you're thinking. Well, Rafe, it's not in the Bible. I'm not believing in it. You said in the vision statement, we exist according to the word of the Lord. And that's why I told you to remember that up front. Well, we do. I'll show you in the Bible. It is in the Bible because this event of this temple violation, desecration was foretold in, uh, to Daniel in a vision in Daniel 8 and 13. Here goes our Bible, okay? It says, Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. Okay, cleansed. That means they're going to take the temple back and how long it was going to be under this, this attack. 
This is how long that desecration of the temple lasted under Antiochus Epiphanes. Now you can cross-reference this verse in Daniel over to the time of the Maccabees when they took and rededicated the temple from its defilement of 2,300 days. Okay? There, I just got biblical on you. Now, uh, now I'm speaking Gentile. Now I can hear it. Now I'll take it in. You found it in the Bible. Great. So, the Maccabees, Jew, Maccabee Jews, the hammer Jews, they showed up and they cleansed the temple to put it back in its rightful way as God wanted, wanted it to be. So, well, the first thing they had to do when they was going to restore it is the first thing you do is you've got to go in and remove all the false gods, all the false idols that have been put up. Those got to come out first. It's kind of like repentance. You've got to walk away from that terrible old life of sin before you can do right unto God. You've got to get the false idols out. But then it was time to relight the golden lampstand, which was the menorah that stood in the temple. God had commanded this lampstand to burn continually, as we see in Leviticus 24 and 2. It says, command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. If you would show that menorah picture. That menorah has been made to the exact biblical specifications of the menorah that was described in the temple. Now, in Revelation 1 and 20, Jesus says that the menorah represents the church. Revelation 1 and 20 says, The mystery of the seven stars, which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. And so the menorah that stood in the temple was made of gold. Now, let's get a hold of this for a minute. The menorah is supposed to represent the church. And the menorah is made of gold. To think that something of gold represents you, (laughs) the church, something that's beautiful, thank you, something that's beautiful and something that's precious, something that's precious, and it was made of one solid piece of gold. They overlaid it and they, they, they hammered it together, whatever they did, it is one solid piece of gold. That's unity in the body of Christ. We're all to be together. There's a lot in the menorah that says about who we are as a church. It's the assembly. I say every Sunday, you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you because there's a lot of people today. They don't know what they're worth. They think they're worthless. They're depressed. They're hurt. They're, what am I here for? You're worth a lot. That menorah should give you an idea. Gold is also purified. It's purified, tested by fire. To purify, get the impurities out, you have to heat it. Just as we believers of Jesus, we are often tested by the fire of trials. The lampstand has a picture in it too. It has seven branches. Six of the branches represents man. According to Revelation 13 and 8, six is the number of man. And why six? Man was created on the sixth day. Uh, we are to work six days a week and stop on the seventh. God rested on the seventh when he completed his work uh, on the seventh day. Seven, seven days makes a complete week. And we also know that anytime the number seven is used, it means completeness. So you got six branches that represent man, and you have a seventh here that means completeness. Now, I got to thinking, you know, one of the reasons probably why uh, man's number is six is because we fall short of completeness. We're not complete without Messiah Jesus. 
right? So six means I fell short of being complete. So there's why your man, uh, man is number six. But that's why the menorah has a seventh main branch, though, in the center of the six branches, because that center branch that's in the middle of the six represents Jesus Christ. He is the center. He should be the center of the whole assembly of the Lord God. He's the center, and he's higher than us, okay? So that's your explanation of a menorah. And by the way, you can get these on Amazon for $19.99. So the entire lampstand was made of one solid piece of gold. There's no joints or seams, which indicates that we, the church, are all one together in the fellowship of Christ. Now, the light because I didn't bring the candles, but you put candles in these to light them. First John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have, there's your unity again, fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. So look, even your salvation is depicted in this menorah, being cleansed of sin. That's the fellowship and the unity we have depicted in the lampstand, one solid piece of gold. Also, if the church is a light, then Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, In fact, if you want to jot down Exodus 25 in your notes, you can read all this detail about the menorah that talks all about what the menorah is, what it should look like, etc. That's one major place is in Exodus 25. But I wanted you to understand from all this menorah talk, this lampstand talk, why it was so important, why the Maccabees, the hammer Jews were so insistent on getting back in that temple, taking the false gods out and relighting that lampstand because the Lord God said to and because of what it means. It was their identity with God. So they got in there and they were intent on relighting it after they reclaimed the temple back from Antiochus Epiphanes. But to relight it, you need fuel. How is a lamp going to burn if you don't have that olive oil fuel? Exodus 27 and 20 says, and you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. So the fuel that kept these lamps, these flames burning, it was a very special, specific recipe of oil and other ingredients that God said, do it just exactly so. Okay, And God did not want this oil used for any other reason, any other purpose, but for the lampstand only. Because you just know that somebody would try to get a hold of some of that oil and try to sell it for a profit. Because it was unique oil. All of you essential oil ladies out there. Now, I know there might even be some of us men. I don't know. Every time I seem to have a sniffle or a headache or, or, or anything, Anna is digging in her purse. I have an oil for that. She's trying to dig it up. Okay. There's always an oil for everything. Somebody is going to try to make a, a profit. And so what they did out of this, this oil, is they would seal it. They would take this oil, they'd put it in a jug, and they'd place a special seal over the top of it. And they would put a mark of the high priest on that jug to keep it set apart from all other oils. I said two key words, set apart. Set apart means holy. The Lord says, you're mine. You're dedicated to me. You're not supposed to look like everybody else. You be set apart. So they would take this jug. They would seal it and set it apart. Nobody was to get a hold of that oil. This is for the menorah. Nothing else. There was no other oil like it. 
So when the Maccabees came back to restore the temple, they found only one jug of oil that was still sealed. We got to realize that Antiochus men, they came and they did their worst to destroy the temple and defile it as best as they could, but they had not defiled that one jug that the Lord kept from them. They didn't get that jug. Isn't that just God? (laughs) You know, we can do our worst and he always keeps something aside that man has not contaminated. That's great. And so the Maccabees, they said, okay, here's one jug of oil we can use to relight the stand so that they could rededicate the temple back to the Lord again. But here's the next problem. One jug of oil burns for just one day. And it was going to take them a whole week to go out and get enough olives and press them and get the ingredients and mix it. And whatever the process was, it's going to take them a whole week to come up with a whole new batch of oil again. But we've got just one jug. (laughs) There's the problem. What are we going to do? Well, that one single jug of oil that should have burned for just one day burned for eight days. It burned long enough for them to go out and prepare a whole new supply of oil for the lampstand. That is a miracle of God, friends. God can take something that you think won't cut it and he'll make it a whole lot better than you ever thought it would. I'm a prime example of that myself, okay? That he can do more. That jug burned for eight days. And so because of that, an eight-day festival was established to commemorate the dedication of the temple. And it is called the Feast of Dedication. So it's called the Feast of Dedication. Now, I showed you a menorah that has seven branches. Let me show you a different one. This is called Hanukkah. What's the difference that you can see? It has more branches, okay? This one has seven. This one has eight branches and a, and a center one for nine, okay? So this lampstand is called a Hanukkah. It's easy to remember because you don't say just Hanukkah. You say Hanukkah, okay? But it doesn't have seven. It has eight. You put a candle in each branch. But that's one light for each day that the, uh, the, that the single one approved sealed jug, that's for every day that it actually burned. That's why you have this many branches, okay? The Feast of Dedication is also known as the Festival of Lights. You can call it Festival of Lights. You can call it Feast of Dedication. You can call it Hanukkah. Like I said, this morning I went to some places and told some uh, believing friends, did you know that today is the Feast of Dedication? Oh, I didn't know that. Did you know that Jesus attended? Oh, really? He did? Yeah, it's also called the Feast of Lights. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's also called Hanukkah. And they go, oh. See, there was that little Gentile divide. Oh, it's that, it's that Jewish thing. I'm not a Jew. It doesn't pertain to me. I'm going to tell you how it does. You should have already heard enough by now. I could stop this sermon right now and you go, amen. I see where it relates to me, but I got more, okay? They went into the Feast of Lights. Uh, Feast of Dedication also is called the Feast of Lights because that's when they relit the lampstand. It's a Feast of Lights. We're celebrating the lights. The temple is back on. The temple has been rededicated back to the Lord. And so whether you think of it as Feast of Lights or, or Dedication, it's also known as Hanukkah because the word Hanukkah means dedication. And so here in this year of 2021, Hanukkah begins this evening when the sun sets. And if it starts today on the 28th, it runs for eight days because of the eight days that one jug burned, then it's going to end, I believe, on December the 6th. Now, for those of you that want to join me, I'm going to be lighting my first candle of the Hanukkah uh, tonight. 
and I know some of y'all live close. Maybe we can get together if you want to, and we can light that first candle, or I can make a video of it and put it up. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's a nice, good tradition to do. But for the Christian who has never participated in this before, maybe you're thinking, because this was my thought process when I first went to my first Passover, when I did my first Hanukkah, uh, I thought, but, but Ray, I'm not Jewish. This isn't for me. I, I'm not Jewish. It looks, it just doesn't look like me. And I understand that. I understand as a Gentile why you would be thinking that. You're probably thinking, why should I participate in Hanukkah? Why, why should I do it? I have a solid answer to that question because Jesus Christ participated in it himself. And I'm going to show you where he did in John 10 and 22. Look at this. Now it was the feast of what? Dedication. This is right where we are right now. It was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. So friends, this is the biblical reason why I, a Gentile, celebrate Hanukkah, the feast of dedication, the festival of lights, because Jesus himself celebrated it. Friends, what I'm really saying is if Jesus did it, I want it. If I want to be like Jesus, then I want to participate in Hanukkah because the Lord did it. And so first, I gave you the historical background with the Maccabees, and that's where some of y'all were like, "Eh, I don't know, Ray. You haven't hit the Bible yet. I don't know. But now I'm showing you the biblical alignment so that you can validate it even for you if you're a Gentile like I am. So here in John chapter 10, it was the feast of dedication, just like tonight, and it was winter. But it's the fact that Jesus himself attended the feast of dedication that makes me want to do it. If Jesus did it, I want to do it. If it's in the Bible, I want to believe in it. If the Lord loves it, I want to love it. Christian, understand that your Jewish Messiah, Jesus, he attended the feast of dedication. He went... Now, he went, but where, in, where does John 10 say that Jesus walked during this feast? Where was he? He walked in the temple. Jesus walked in the temple. That's very important. Where's the temple? All of us make up the temple. I want you to know that your Messiah, Jesus, walked it during this feast in the temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Man, that puts me right smack in the middle of the bullseye right there. This is why the Feast of Dedication is so important, because by walking in the temple, Jesus shows us that the dedication of man and God meets together in this temple. This is where God and man meet, here in the temple. This is our togetherness, our unity with God. Jesus wanted to celebrate being together with you. Why don't we celebrate being together with him? Coming together? Am I speaking Gentile yet? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) This is fellowship with God. And this is why I want to celebrate the Feast of Dedication, because it directly relates to how we're saved, our relationship with God. The day that you choose to dedicate yourself to Jesus Christ then Jesus indwells you. He comes and walks in the temple, just like he did in John 10 at the Feast of Dedication. Thank 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.